Starting to learn debate may be pretty daunting at first. You may be wondering, where should I start? Or what resources should I use? Today, we have a special guest with us who will share her journey in learning debate with very minimal resources, very minimal coaching. In fact, I was her first ever coach for exactly one week when I was judging her at a debate camp like two years ago. I brought that up before the interview started and she was like, oh my God, you cannot talk about that. A bit of background just before I invite Hannah to start talking. She's an international development student at McGill University. I believe she's starting this year and she's going to be debating with the McGill Debating Union. So she's going to be reflecting a lot on how her high school experience has prepared her to participate at one of the best debating unions at the university level. She's competed at both the national and international level in high school. She has two years of coaching experience, actually, in debate and public speaking as well. And she, again, comes from very little background. She's now actually a co-producer and a writer for this podcast. I'm really impressed. I've seen her come a long way from just the really eager person in class who knew not that much but wanted to learn a lot. And I'm really happy with how far she's come. So Hannah, welcome. Happy to have you on this, I guess, podcast series that you now are going to be writing for. Very fun. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. So the first thing I want to talk about is just getting to know a bit about yourself, your debating experience, your school experience, anything like that. Especially like, tell us what what, what was the school like that you went to? What was their program and their opportunities? Yeah, so I mostly self-learned debate, actually. My school club wasn't very competitive at all in terms of the debating resource and opportunities I had. So I initially went to a private institution, mostly just to improve my public speaking skills. But it was a little bit expensive and didn't really click with me. So I ended up just attending debate tournaments independently and doing practice rounds with my friends and finding resources online to improve at debating. That's awesome. So something that I'm also wondering about, too, is how you heard about debate or got involved coming from a school that wasn't that big on debate? Or maybe where did you hear about public speaking first? Yeah, so a lot of my friends were competitive debaters who said, hey, this is a great activity. You'd really enjoy it and learn a lot from it. And as well, I was fortunate enough to have participated in a lot of similar activities before I joined debate. Well, similar in loose terms. For example, I ran a public speaking club at school. I was very involved in Model UN when I was in, a long time ago when I was in high school. And yeah, that's a big mood. That's a time in my life that has gone and passed. But I was I'm thankful nonetheless. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I feel like one of the biggest pulls for people who want to get involved in debate is they know people that um, they do it. And it's such a fun activity. A lot of people who are in it are really, really in it says the person who's been a competitive debater for 10 years. So it's awesome that you had people around you that were really interested. But um, I'm really interested to learn how you learn debate, being from a school that didn't necessarily teach you as much skills. How did you connect what your friends were doing and how they were succeeding and try to get yourself to that level? Well, there was a lot of trial and error on my end, and there was a lot of finding resources that worked for me. So there was a lot of convincing people to do practice rounds with me very late at night and booking train tickets and trying to secure sometimes really limited team spots to tournament independently. So there was a lot of that, but I found my experience to be really rewarding just because of the amount of opportunities I was able to have. And I found a lot of friends who are really supportive. 
I've learned a lot of organizational skills, etc. Yeah, now something I remember that was really big was getting involved in practice debates. That was something that a lot of people my age, especially in university, did to try and improve. Um, it was a really good way to connect with people from other universities. And I did not love it. I did love online practice debates because it was always really difficult to organize. Somebody would bail last minute. People had internet connection issues. So it's tough work organizing those. And now I think people are starting to take it more seriously because debate being moved fully online, now that all the rounds are online anyways, I think people are like, I think they're committing a bit more to these practices. They're more interested in them. And I'm really hoping that that strategy is something that's more available for people in the future. I hear you like saying you want to organize practices online. And I'm like, oh my Lord, like, don't you love yourself? <laughs> don't you have some self-respect? But I'm really happy that that was something that worked for you. It must have also been coming from somebody who didn't have, you know, that many people who could organize for you in your school life. That shows a lot of shows a lot of effort to try and put things together. And something I know is that with those online practice rounds, it's something that you can do without a lot of resources, but it is really difficult to put together because people are so flaky. It's difficult to organize when you have, you know, Model UN on your plate, you have trying to do applications for university on your plate and all those things. Uh, what were some other resources that you used to try and learn those skills to improve to the point where you were ready for those kinds of practices. Yeah, so thankfully, there's a lot of debating resources online, mostly for free, that people are able to access. But they're sometimes really hidden in some obscure corners of the internet. So uh, I've broken it down to two main points. The first one being resources you can use to learn debate. For beginners especially, there are some really incredible debating handbooks written by university debating societies, by accomplished debaters, and debating organizations. So, for example, when I started out, something I found really helpful and very comprehensive was the Monash University Guide to Debating. Another very well-known example is the World University Debating Championships Manual. Both are completely free, you can find it with a Google search. Another really great organization is the Public Schools Debating Organization, or PSDO, which is ran by Ontario students. And it's a great place to learn uh, debate in terms of accessing free debating videos, events. You can also meet new people and mentors with their mentorship program. Um, in terms of other debate resources, if you're a more experienced debater, there are also lots of training videos on YouTube that you're able to find. So for example, the European Universities Debating Championships, EUDC, has seminars on virtually every element of debate from like strategy to preparation to judging. Alternatively, you can also watch like high level debate rounds like World's Final or Euro's Finals. So there are lots of debating resources for every level online if you look for it. And another category I wanted to quickly mention is just learning things about the world. So debate requires a certain level of general knowledge of world issues and art and politics and, to my utmost demise, sports. <laughs> so it's really important to like read the news and keep up with current affairs. And some debater classics are like the New York Times, New Yorker, 
The Economist, which I have right here with me, Foreign Affairs, etc. And it's also really great to have some in-depth knowledge, so reading nonfiction books and longer journal articles are really great for that too. I remember having a subscription to like every single possible semi-academic, semi-journalism magazine, whatever there was in the world's prep season. That is definitely the part of preparing and learning for debate I don't envy. But something I did also find a lot is when you learn enough of the basic skills and you learn enough of how to do debate, even going into a round blind where you don't really know much about the topic, you can kind of fake your way through and like learn enough from the other teams that you know even if you get like a fat four, you could still learn a lot and improve the last time. I have forever burned in the back of my head some round at my first year in university where I went to Nautic. And the motion was like, this house believes that the Kashmir region should strive for independence rather than unification with Pakistan. And I was like, I don't know where anything is on the map. I don't know. I didn't know that Pakistan and India were bordering each other. I didn't know anything about those countries. Um, I had been somehow boosted into the top. Well, not the top room. It was round two, but it was like a three-point room. And I remember in that round, I was so glad that I just knew enough about debate that I could even get there to be graced with having an L to people that would later become world's finalists because I learned so much that year. And that's something I've always found is really focusing on learning the basics can give you all the tools you need to actually get a lot of that information from other people, which is part of, I think, the magic of you know, taking these coaching opportunities and being able to give back to help people get enough skill that they can learn from other people at tournaments. What was your what was your coaching experience like? And how did you kind of impart what you had experienced as somebody with less resources to try and give that to people you work with? Well, I think a huge part of self-learning is just figuring out different ways to improve a debate and different strategies that work for you, work for other people, might not work for you, etc. So um, even before I started coaching debating, I was uh, working with a public speaking club at school. So a large part of my coaching experience is just uh, demonstrating to other people the skills I learned in terms of finding resources for myself, in terms of different ways I can practice. So for example, online debate rounds really really don't work for some people because they say they can't concentrate, they say they they don't have time for it, or etc. And other people really, really love it. So it's a matter of figuring out what works for you and just showing the people that I coach like different parts of debating and hoping that some of it sticks with them and they're able to use it to improve themselves. And something I always notice is there's a big difference in... And here we're talking a bit about our jobs as coaches, where we both come from on that angle. But I think it plays a lot on how we learn as people trying to look for experience, look for ways to improve when we were first starting, that approaching it like it's an educational opportunity and knowing that some things just work for you and some things just don't is something that takes you really far. I definitely realized that certain speaking positions worked really well for me and I made a lot of progress when I just focused on how to drill those. For some people, it's working on very specific skills. Once they find themselves stuck in a rut, I could never figure out why I was always getting second to my front half. 
Um, and I always feel like approaching it a bit more educationally, whether it's as coaches or as students, makes a huge difference. Um, and I feel that way. That sounds so obvious. Like we're saying this podcast, like, yeah, did you know that teaching is the best way to learn? And yet so many people go through this and they just round after round drilling it with no efforts to think of how do I improve? Um, and self-learning, I think what you described, at least what I'm hearing is that you do focus on ways to incorporate what you know works for you educationally. And I think that's a really good strength that you're including. So I guess that focus on knowing what it works for you educationally and approaching it like you're trying to get an education and you're trying to improve it is something that's really valuable, something you emphasize in self-learning. So something I want to know is what do you what did you perceive to be the differences being in more self-learning environments or institutionalized learning? And actually as either a debater or as a coach? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the very structural approach that institutions take in teaching debate. And I think to some extent, this is necessary for any sort of classroom environment. But what they do is follow a curriculum, and it's able to get everyone to a base level. They're generally quite good at teaching basic skills like debate format, providing you with reading resources, or organizing practice rounds when you can get feedback, etc. So they're great for a lot of people to learn basics to debate and get resources compiled for you and meet a lot of people. I think the biggest problem with institutions is that they're usually very expensive. And another issue is like, unless you spend even more money and I'm talking up to hundreds of dollars per hour for private tutoring, you're not going to be able to get a, a very personalized experience. So especially in a topic as broad as debate, I have hugely different strengths and weaknesses as Noah. And after some certain point, like improvement just becomes very difficult. So you want to be maximizing your efficiency and success and focusing on what you really need the most improvement on. And that's where I think self-learning becomes really important because it's really great for reflecting on what you need to do to improve and finding a way that works for you specifically. So I was able to become successful in debate in a short amount of time because I constantly switched up my practice method to focus on what I needed to learn and improve on. And through that process, I could like get better at getting better. I think another plus of self-learning is fostering your own interest in debating as an activity. So I found like whatever, reading whatever I wanted and being in charge of my own learning to be really, really challenging and fun. And nobody really likes going to class. I don't want to go to class, but I like debate. So that's a plus to that, certainly. I remember actually the week that I was working in March that I coached you. It, it was you, but also the entire class. I think it was because March break. Everybody there was really, really focused on working on their skills, doing difficult kinds of motions they hadn't done before. But it really reflected in that class. And I mean, obviously, certainly you and look at where you are now, really big effort to try to improve and improvement being the primary goal and doing that in a way where you're challenging yourself, but you're also smart about what you're practicing. So you're smart about, is it even worth my time to try and drill a prime minister speech for the 60th time? Because that's something I could do at home or things like that. So I agree with you completely. It's really important to 
be honest with yourself about what are the things that you can improve right now, or what are the things that for now you've kind of maxed out and you want to move on. Moving away a bit from debate as a skill, I'm also wondering, since you didn't come from a strong debating team at your school, what the tournament culture was like. Did you notice a lot of difference, being more self-learned, being somebody that was kind of an outsider from the school system? I think not, at least not in my time in the circuit, because I think to some extent everyone are somewhat cliquey and speak and sticks to who they know, just because debate can be really, really daunting. But generally, lots of people do mingle and make other friends and were really inclusive to me. And I had a bit of outsider syndrome for myself and my own expectations, but everyone were really, really nice to me. And I had a generally good time. That's honestly really surprising to me, but I'm really happy to hear it. I hear, I mean, I'm in a different era than you are. I come from the time where debate was, could be mean, people could feel unincluded, people could feel like it was impossible to break in and be with the cool kids. But I'm really happy to hear that the circuit is moving in that direction. I think it's really promising. I think we'll attract a lot of great talent without experience exactly like you. We're almost out of time, but I want to briefly just ask you in closing, how debates helped you outside of your life? And what do you see as next in life? What are your goals? I know you said you're going to McGill. Um, debate has helped me so much in my daily life. It's actually ridiculous to think about. So I was super, super shy and very scared of public speaking. And I'm actually ESL, so my English was god-awful up until high school. So debate gave me a lot of confidence I was lacking in knowing that you don't have to have a, to have like a, be a perfect English speaker or be super extroverted in order to be a good speaker and a good leader. And as well, it's just really great for developing critical thinking and analytical skills and just learning world affairs. I think because debate lets you see issues from different perspectives, um, that's a really great plus. And you can also come up with really logical and organized ideas quickly. So that's great for writing and for reading in general. And as for me, well, debate really fostered my passion for world issues. And to put that in simpler terms, debate made me realize I did not want to do software engineering in uni. Sorry, mom. So now I'm having a really great time. I'm studying, as you mentioned, international development. I want to explore a bit more into like writing and fine arts. And I can definitely be found at debate tournaments, making Spotify playlists for my friends. That's incredible. And honestly, RIP to software engineering, gone but not forgotten, and we will not miss. I'm really happy to see that you have had a lot of success with debate in your life. I'm really grateful too. It's how I've met some of my closest friends. And to anybody listening, thinking about joining or thinking about leaving and looking for a reason to stay, I think these are, this is a testament to, you know, you meet really fun people. You get to do a lot of things. You learn a lot about yourself and the world. So I encourage you, if you're wondering, to keep on debating. And thank you, Hannah, for really showing how without even much opportunity or much resources, you can have the chance to succeed. So thank you for joining us for the Debate 101 series once again. Um, this was Noah and Hannah, and we were really happy to have you. Hannah's going to be working on other parts of our podcast as well. So stay tuned for ways that she'll be adding content to our series. And keep up with This House Wood. Please follow our podcast and our Instagram at THW Debate Podcast. That's THW Debate Podcast. Bye now.